Inbounds, Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner, across the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! Is March Madness. All right. Welcome, college basketball lovers. It is episode five of Mad About Hoops. That means it's week five of the college basketball season. We are literally rocking and rolling right now. The holiday tournaments are in the books. It's December. We're going to have conference play firing up. We are out here in Big Ten country, of course, in Columbus. We're fired up about an Ohio State victory. Not just an Ohio State victory. A beatdown of epic proportions on the road in Chapel Hill at the Dean E. Smith Center. The Dean Dome. Evil bald Colin, my favorite half an hour of the week, buddy. It's good to be with you. How you doing? It's good to be back with you, Tim. Yes, I mean, this game just highlights what we've been talking about for so many weeks now. Leading into the season, we had the five games on the schedule we had marked down, and we wanted to go at least 3-2. and two. You're 3-0 and oh in the bag with two to spare. I mean, you're playing with house money and what you were preparing for at the beginning of the season. But, I mean, with the way this team's playing, it's hard to not expect them to go out there and give it a real shot to go 5-0 and in that stretch. Let's let's jump right into, because people might listen to this podcast for the rest of the week, which, by the way, we certainly appreciate the love. We're just starting off here with this podcast. We realize we're in Columbus, Ohio, and the Ohio State football team is doing something incredible And usually people don't start paying full attention until after January. But there's going to be a really cool test for the fan base at Ohio State on Saturday. The same day the Buckeye football team is playing for a championship in Indianapolis. But the way they scheduled it, if you're a true diehard Buckeye sports fan, you love the two big boy sports, football and men's hoops, you can get both done. It's at noon, and it's against a really good Penn State team. Evil bald Colin, I think Penn State's only lost to a really a, a decent Ole Miss squad in that preseason NIT, correct? Yeah, they sh- honestly should have won two? that, too. They were up by yeah. almost 20 at one yeah. point. Uh, it was no, a it, little bit of a meltdown. It's a really deep team. You talked about Lamar Stevens. You also have the center who's been there for almost, what, it seems like eight years, and Mike Watkins. I mean, this is another prime Good team player. that's in like the mid-tier of the Big Ten that could make a run into the top five of the Big Ten, in my opinion. They have that much talent. I, I really hope that the fans turn out for the Buckeyes a little bit earlier now because of what they've done. If you don't deserve it now to when, get a little when? bit of... Yeah. When? When, right? I mean, do we have to go back a few years ago? What was one of the Sully teams? What was the, It was like an un- ungodly good record. When they lost, they came to Wisconsin. Was that an undefeated team? When they went up to to Madison and lost like twenty two and zero or twenty three and zero or something, uh, or was it a one loss team? The Sully team finished with four losses. I think it was either four or five. So you might be the in the ballpark. St- there. The fans stormed the court. Sully said that somebody like said something or did something nasty. I think to someone him, maybe spit, spit in his face. Yeah, yeah, and Bo Ryan kind of brushed it off. He maybe even gave like a deal with it. I think he that may was have even it. said yes, it was verbally because like it, a deal with the it. year after <laughs> Come on, bro. the year after that the student section at Ohio State actually had towels that had deal with it written on them and then I think they just blitzed <sighs> them in Columbus the same Bo Ryan that couldn't show any kind of class Never. when he lost when he lost in his biggest moment of his career couldn't show class in the defeat to to Duke 
He couldn't just take it and say, you know what? It's basketball. Stuff's going to happen. I think he made excuse after excuse, yep. as I recall, his little one-on-one interviews after that one national championship game, which was a great it was a great title game. I think there were some ridiculous things with reviews, but hey, stuff happens. We we saw That's one college basketball for We you saw there. one last night, right? As we are uh, we're giving you this recording, we're dropping this podcast on December 5th, just so you know. So it's sort of a very recent past for us with uh, the end of the ACC Big 10 Challenge. We'll get into some of the holiday tournaments finishing up last week. We'll have so much to talk about in this podcast here. I want to jump right into it. Ohio State, North Carolina. What? Give, give me your your three big thoughts coming out of this game for both schools, what this means going forward. Well, my first big thought is what I saw in the highlight late last night. It was a bucket someone was disputing with. The, it was a two or a three from North Carolina, but eventually it made it. They had 47 points on the board, but that was just north of the seven-minute mark. It was 54-47, just above the seven-minute mark. Ohio State went on a 20-2 run at that point. Wow. That that That's tells right. you everything. That's right, and that was that was so not a three, right? It was like no, a pull-up jump it, it shot. Was it was almost a foot inside the three-point line. They fixed it, but that's besides the point. The point is, is that yeah, the defense came Crazy. out and played when you needed it the most. I saw this from a, a post on Twitter that I this guy I follow. He's really really good with Big Ten basketball. He goes by Big Ten Geek for all. I like it. I I love it. Big Ten geek. But the way he put it is that this team has a lot of parallels to the teams that Holtman had at Butler. And the fact that when they can go cold, which they did in the last four or five minutes of the first half, the defense can lock down enough to keep them in the game. You felt like they were, North Carolina was starting to take momentum into that game, and Ohio State was leading by two points at the half. Let me use this spot here to bring up one of my big thought bubbles leaving this game. Because you just mentioned something about Chris Holtman and a and a Butler team of his. Sure. You remember old games better than almost anyone I know. Do you remember the Battle for Atlantis game in 2014? Butler beat North Carolina. It also, people are saying that, and we'll get to it. People are saying that about this North Carolina team trying to not give Ohio State full credit and give them, you know, all that it's worth. But that wasn't one of the best UNC teams that Chris Holtman and Butler beat at the time. But that's it's still, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. I want to play this for you. This was going in to the game. This was earlier this week. Okay. And I actually asked him a question about just seeing Roy Williams' teams before. Gardner Webb, he played at the Dean Dome, played him pretty tight there. He said they lost like by on a buzzer beater as an assistant. So I was only assuming that that was also when he was an assistant at Gardner Webb. And then he saw him a couple times at Butler. And I was mainly thinking about the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. But he talked about one of the biggest wins was when they beat UNC in the battle for Atlantis and what that can mean for a program, for a staff, for a person. Here he was. Yeah, it was, um, you know, arguably, you don't ever want to look at it as a coach, but it was arguably, you know, one of the most important wins I've been a part of and our coaching staff's been a part of because, you know, Job security at that point was very much up in the air, and um, our staff knew that. You know, we were put in a unique situation where uh, the job was handed over to us as a staff. I think that win solidified us as a staff. I know it did because of the text message I got from my AD afterwards. Um, <laughs> it, it certainly put us in position if we were to continue to play well to have some security and job security. So it it meant not only a lot to me, but it meant a lot to 
my my staff that had you know kids at the time and we were kind of wondering okay what's next so it was a big night for us I don't remember a whole lot of the game itself, but I do know that was one of the launching pads for what Holtman did with his time at Butler. And one of the things I do remember is it's it's a guy he's carried over in his staffs from Butler to Ohio State, and it's Terry Johnson, I think is a name that needs to be talked about more in terms of the defense that they played back in that game in 2014 that I remember and what we saw last night, the way they just locked down the key players. It's it's a definite Butler Bulldog mentality that he brought over, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's knowing that he would have a little bit more resources, Chris Holtman talking about now, who that was Ohio State's head coach, the Holtman as we like to call him, knowing that he's got more resources and a little bit more of uh, an ability to recruit with the backing, with the funds here at Ohio State, it's why I was just so dead set on him when they made the hire. I don't ever really like to be that guy that gives yourself a pat on the back, you know, for calling things right, because we make a ton of predictions being sports talk hosts, right? I just, I love that I was so right about Chris Holtman with what he did early on at Butler and how this guy is only going to continue to skyrocket. And it's, there's going to come a, a point in time where blue bloods start knocking on the door and try to get him. And I just hope, and that's just a quick sidebar where I just hope that we show the kind of fan support that we can, that we do as much as we can to show that basketball matters here in Columbus. Yeah, to point to that, Kentucky's the one that scares me the most with that. With yeah, him growing up he grew in up Lexington. Lexington. Yep. He mentioned that last night. I, I just think that's also just such a neat story to hear for how much one win can mean to a coach. And he's kind of getting real with you. That that was big. You had assistant coaches. You we were trying to get job security. You know, we were thinking about families and Coaches with their kids and wanted to settle down and make Indianapolis a home for a while. And that home soon turned out to be Columbus, Ohio. And we're glad to have him. But it's different now because we talked about what was that win over North Carolina for the Buckeyes. I mean, this is a team in his first year. He beat number one in Michigan State. He beat number three on the road in Purdue. That was a heck of a Purdue squad at Mackey. Screaming fans all game long. I didn't think we had a chance in that game. But it still stands. No matter what you're going to say about Baycott's injury, God, I hope he's okay. We never like to see guys go down. Roy thinks he's going to be out for a while. He just stepped on a shoe coming down from a rebound. Stuff happens in basketball, right? Cole Anthony was a little sick. Whatever. You gave them one of their biggest losses in history. I don't care what was going on with North Carolina. I don't care that the Holtman himself kind of downplayed it because he's in the third year and it wasn't going to kill you if you lost this game, if you're Ohio State. It still is one of the biggest wins you're ever going to get in the regular season. I 100% agree. This is a type of win that instills belief into a program. This is a team that, you know, in the past couple of years, there's been some games where they've gotten out of hand recently. You know, I'm thinking of last year's trip to uh, Purdue. There's been a couple trips recently to Maryland. These games where it feels like you go on the road and it's like you're you're hoping you're in it. This team's proven right now that they can go into any game, any environment, and they're gonna put up a hell of a fight. You hate the Comcast Center. I hate it. You don't want I you don't want to go man. back there. I hate it's it. It's a good team. It's a good team. Oh yeah. Maryland's good. The Big Ten is good. But before we leave this game. Second thought, like second final thought, Look, looking at the players that were out there, you had Cole Anthony on display for North Carolina. We didn't get to see a whole lot of Baycott, but Ohio State keeps showing themselves as this team that's a true national title contender now. Like I am a 
firm believer in that. They can win. Guys like Jay, the Jay Bills of the world, I believe, I, I, I believe in what he's saying. There isn't any one team that is just so head and heels above the rest. But Ohio State, with Dwayne Washington, or Dwayne Washington as our guy Ron Stokes like to call him, and EJ Liddell specifically last night, he is like the official X factor yep. for me now. That's exactly when everything was going down in the game. I'm thinking to myself, wow. I caught him as one of my X factors that first podcast we did. And even I didn't think at this point in the season eight, you did what eight games in, I didn't think he'd be to this point yet. And it's gravy. The, the fact that we're getting this type of, you know, involvement from these freshmen right now is awesome. And, I said it before the season, the development of guys like Luther Muhammad and especially Dwayne Washington, how are they going to progress on the offensive side of the court was going to be crucial to how this team performs long term. If Dwayne Washington can be more than just an outside shooter, which we saw last night, he's taking the ball to the hoop, penetrating really well. It's going to lead them to wherever they want to go. Here was one of those easy shots for EJ Liddell. Buckeyes have DJ Carton dribbling top of the key. Carton looking at the man-to-man, gives it up on the left point, Luther Muhammad. Muhammad checked by Playtech. 15 on the shot clock. Muhammad dribbling a high and a left. Swings into the lane where it's caught underneath. Liddell dunks driving in from the left. How about that find by Luther Muhammad from up top to inside? Our guys, Paul Keels, Ron Stokes, Learfield IMG College right there. They didn't have the nice, like, microphone. I guess we couldn't do it because we were the road radio crew right there. They had good spots. They were courtside. Usually at Ohio State, if you didn't know, the radio team sits kind of up in the, the top of the lower bowl. Paul Keels always tells me he loves that vantage point because he can see all the boundaries, and I get it. Still, to me, there's nothing quite like being right on the court with nobody blocking you. You're, like, in the game. It's awesome. But that pass by Luther, that was an unbelievable pass. It's little things like that. If you can get a guy like Luther Muhammad to just chip in with a few things, he doesn't have to turn into the best basketball player in the world anymore. Because this is a team that has depth. We can lose a guard. He can get into foul trouble. And I can feel so confident in, oh, great. We have C.J. Walker and Dwayne Washington out there who can get super hot. The drop of a hat. And he can take the ball to the the rack now as well and draw some and ones. And we're not even talking about D.J. Carton coming into the game. Who could wind up being one of the more electrifying guys in the Big Ten at the season's end. The only thing I'll say about Carton is I wish his defense gets a little bit better. I think that's the one thing he can improve on. Agreed. But, but the depth of this team is what you just mentioned is unbelievable. To the fact, I mean, we're talking about a guy, a name we haven't even mentioned who might come back is Musa Jallo, who performed really well down late in the season, and especially in the NCAA tournament. Boy. What if he comes back? What about a red shirt for him? What I'd about a okay, red shirt? I'd be okay with it. Might be smart. He might be thinking about it. Especially, we don't know what he's dealing with. So, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, that is that is a good point. The, the amount of guards that this team has right now. He's also a very young guy. He came in at 17, so to get yeah. that extra year honestly might help him. And we didn't talk a ton about Caleb West in this game. And I, I do think he's got some work to do. Folks have pointed out his two-point field goal percentage. He still has be, he's become an incredibly versatile player right now. I don't think he can lose sight of being a low-post banger because still, for the most part, he made Garrison Brooks look small, and I didn't think he would do that. Like he, When it was one-on-one, he was able to just back that guy down, but he's missing his shots right now down low, and he needs to make sure he gets that percentage up there. We need to be 60% when Caleb's one-on-one, and he can back a guy down in the low block. Just keep improving because he still is like the guy that makes this team go with everything that he brings. Ohio State, a historic win over North Carolina. Leave you off with some of those stats that we heard. 
the field goal percentage defense that the Buckeyes kept North Carolina to, 27.4%. That's what UNC shot. Lowest they've ever shot in the Dean Dome. And this isn't their worst. I mean, they're not as good as a normal UNC team is, but it's not the worst team. It's not as bad as what the Harrison Barn team was. I, I, you don't think? I, I don't think so, no. that's a. I think that was like a 14-15 loss team. I think they also, it was the second biggest beatdown in 56 years for Carolina basketball when they're at home. That was one that I saw, and I believe I saw that the the second half beatdown, that was the biggest beatdown in any half in Carolina basketball history in their home gym at the Dean Smith Center, which opened in 86. It's not the place, for the record, that Michael Jordan played in. He played at Carmichael, which... Uh, because he was like an 82 to 84 guy. Right. And Ron Stokes, Ohio State color analyst, played in an NCAA tournament game against Sam Perkins and Michael Jordan and Brad Doherty and Matt Doherty, the guy who came back to coach and almost screwed up their program for, <laughs> for all eternity. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> all right, Timmy. It's about time we start talking about these holiday tournaments. You know, we, we kind of covered them a little bit, especially with the teams that won. Yeah, they're done now. But what All would, done. Right. But what are some of our biggest takeaways from what we saw in those tournaments? And can we take everything we saw for what they were? You know, I, I love them, by the way. I can't wait for when Ohio State plays in the Battle for Atlantis next season. And then in the Maui the year after that. They're fantastic. Still to me, I know it's we, we spent all last podcast going over everything. And that, that was our podcast where we just sort of tried to hit on every, almost, almost every single holiday tournament that exists and even the ones that we didn't know about. The uh, Emerald Coast Classic turned out to be a good one for me because my squad, Florida State, who I know is has now been hammered by Indiana, and Indiana's a team to watch yeah, now. how about that game? Hoosiers are looking good, but Florida State still, good team. It's a Leonard Hamilton squad. You don't have, like, primetime players there, guys that'll score 25 or 30 a game, but you'll win a lot of games because of your defensive efficiency with the Knolls. And they picked up wins over Tennessee and Purdue. And look at what Purdue just did to Virginia now. Beat the Hoos by 30. They're crazy. So the Emerald Coast Classic, like we expected, packed a lot of punch for a tournament nobody was looking at. That gym looked really cool. You're down there by Destin, Florida. It's it's a great spot. Fort Walton Beach area. If you ever get down there, I encourage you to go. And I love tiny gyms that nobody knows about. And I, I did not know who played there. It was some small college. It was very cool. But still, it's it's Dayton versus Kansas. You go back to week four, Dayton versus Kansas. That was awesome. And I, I am just counting the days till I can find a ticket to get over to UD Arena to see Obi Toppin in person. Oh, I'm trying to go to the last game of the season against Davidson. I think that's going to be a good one. Oh, God. Let's and, go. Let's go to that. I, I want to go to that. Dayton and Davidson. The only thing is there's a big conflict here with the uh, VCU game. It's a night of when we play... Uh, Nebraska. So that that's also going to be a conflict that I wish we could have resolved, mm. but we'll have to miss mm. yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. With these tournaments, it just kind of feels like a mini version of the NCAA tournament, and let me specify why. Because a lot of these scenes, they get on these runs. It's almost like, you know, you get the momentum rolling, you get a game, and then you stack Michigan. wins on top of Mi- each other. Michigan will be one of the and prime Michigan, points in, in this discussion. Yes, Michigan yeah. is the prime point in that. Now, 
Gonzaga, I'm lower on Gonzaga than pretty much anybody nationally. I, I just feel like they lost a lot from the last team. Uh, they still have Killian Tilly. But outside of that, they have a really young guard play, and it's why I think Michigan kind of dominated them in that aspect. Uh, we kind of understand now, after seeing North Carolina, why Michigan was able to push around uh, UNC. And then, my, man, my Oregon team, they looked good, but they just were playing very good competition and lost very it's short games. It's hard. What the point? I'm you trying know what to you're get. getting into when you sign up for one of these, but it's the the opportunity that's there, and then after the fact, you'll hear coaches pop up and complain about the three games in three days, right? Well, you did this. You do this because you get great opportunity, right? Right. And the point I'm trying to make is that you're looking at all these teams. You say Michigan made a great run, won this tournament. UNC had some good moments, beat Oregon, but lost to Michigan. Uh, you have Seton Hall that kind of, you know, was middle figure type of team. Oregon had their moments, but came up short in a couple of them. The point is, is that teams get bumps in these tournaments nationally. I mean, you saw Michigan go from unranked to number four, but you can't always take what happened in those tournaments and put them as this is an expectation for the rest of the season because it just doesn't happen normally. I mean, to go back two years to the Maui tournament, I know everybody was talking about that Mike Bray, Notre Dame team that won with Bonzi Colson, and they won the Maui tournament, but then went, I believe, 21-15 and 15 and didn't look very good the rest of the way. Yeah. It's just really hard to... I know people love You're to get You're getting hot early in the season. Yes. But... I still love them, though, because oh, yeah, absolutely. the wins still count. They still matter. You have to show up every time you agree to take the court. Absolutely. You know? And I and I love how you get rewarded for that because you do enter into an agreement where you're going to play a lot of basketball in a short stretch. I don't think that's the biggest deal. I know I didn't play college basketball. I, I get it. But you watch these guys. They play AAU ball. I think too much is made of the too many games in a short period of time. Don't you? Oh, my gosh, yes. Their legs are so fresh. These guys are so young. Are we going to start talking about load management at some point for college basketball? Oh, I'm not going to be able to take it if we ever get if we ever get there. I get the point you're trying to make how don't put too, don't put too many of your eggs into the Michigan basket with what they did. You know, the college basketball power index on ESPN this week, as I'm looking at it, as again, we're recording this Mad About Hoops podcast. We're glad to have you guys. Please subscribe. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. It's our it's our fifth episode, fifth week of college basketball. We're, we're recording on December 5th, and I'm looking at the current college basketball power index. So Michigan's already done all this stuff. They already had they had bigger wins. Juwan Howard's got way more big wins than Jim Harbaugh's ever gotten in five years. And he did that in one week. He did that in one week. But they're only ranked 33rd. So in the polls, they move up to fourth. But they're only ranked 33rd. And it has their their loss getting beat down by Louisville. That's that's included. Just one loss. That's all it is. Michigan State at 5-3. and three, They're still second. So they like the long term. And I, 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 like, Man, I, I like some of that. I'm sort of... I'm okay with rewarding Michigan for what they did because everything's current. Everything's fluid. So far, so good. What you've done now, I get it. That doesn't mean the Wolverines over a long period of time have to be ranked that high. Guess what? When more basketball comes our way, you knock them back down. You adjust it. When Michigan State starts to win in the long run, you move them back up, and that's where they're going to stay. Yes, Michigan State to me is a better basketball team than Michigan, hands down. But I I don't know if it's that clear. I I. I'm watching more and more of this oh, Michigan I say they State are. team. <laughs> I say they are. They got caches. I, 
Cassius, yes, he'll take him a long way. Henry's going to get better. He's going to get good at some He's point. He's got to. He's, He's going to get good to, at some point. It's, it's looked really rough early on. Duke's good. They, and, and they are. They're, they're always Absolutely. good. They're always good, but... Trey, I texted you. We're, he is yeah, he's, he's very phenomenal, good. man. He's phenomenal. That I'm just the more I'm looking at that Virginia Tech loss, it just looks more and more unacceptable. I, this is a Virginia Tech team that was expected to be in the lower half of the ACC this year. Like I said, the preseason, Michigan State is going to live and die by how they progress from deep shots, especially with the extended three point line. How are they going to be able to shoot the deep ball? At this point, I can't tell you because, first off, I don't know if Joshua Langford's coming back. No one knows that for sure yet. And then how are these I'm guys— not, Yeah, I'm not counting on him. I'm not counting on as him. As you probably shouldn't at yeah. this point. You haven't heard it. would be anything. a great addition if he can get healthy and come back. I hope he does. No, yeah, but some of those metrics, like, I, I agree. The Michigan metric with the power index, I believe, is pretty accurate. That's how you got to go with it. I, a lot of the voters are putting a lot of stock, and I saw guys putting— what was it nine first place votes for Michigan in the latest AP poll? Like, at some point we're buying too much into the hype of these preseason tournaments, and that's okay to a certain extent, but not putting a team from unranked all the way to number one. I get it; they have some of the better wins, but it's like it's we shouldn't even have polls until after December first off. That's my point. You know what? If you're really looking at it like that, with I, I used to be a voter. I voted for one season. Did you really? I, I, I voted wow. for one season a long time ago, and I really couldn't tell you how I how I lost out on that. I think it was just because my my job switched, and that's what it was. So I wasn't. They weren't just going to give some some dude <laughs> let, let him let him keep the AP vote. Clearly, I enjoyed it. Like I, I loved sifting through that and looking at things from week to week, and I would. I'd be okay with with giving that love to a team like Michigan for what they've done based on who they've beaten. Look at the resumes. Things are going to change often in college basketball, and you have that understanding. But I would say as a voter, if you're looking at it right now, this would have been a prime opportunity to look at Ohio State now that they've beaten North Carolina. Maybe because those two wins for Michigan, boom, boom, beating up UNC and beating up Gonzaga at the time. Like, that was large. Now you look at Ohio State, though, and just game control, offense, defense, efficiency, just what you your eye test, what you think they could do, guard play, low post presence, balance. I couldn't think of a better candidate to vote number one and to make your arguments on. You know what I mean? Because there, this is also a year where no one just feels. Not Duke, not Kentucky, not UNC, not Michigan State, not Louisville really to me, not Gonzaga, not Villanova. No one really feels like they're just number one. Well, that was a topic I wanted to get into at some point is that we've been hearing so often from these national guys of how there's just no dominant team in the sport this year. And I firmly believe that. I mean, I'm looking at the number one team in Louisville, and it's a pretty decent team, but it centers around, and I always butcher his name, but it's Jordan Nuora. Yeah, is that correct? You, you got it. Okay. You got to kind of throw that W in there. I think <laughs> right. you can kind of go Nora, Nora? Jordan Nora. Okay. Yeah. No, but yeah, their team <laughs> kind of offensively centers around him. And, you know, come tournament time, if that's a team where he's not on in a certain yeah, game. They don't frighten me. No, absolutely they not. don't frighten me. And supposedly we beat them in a preseason secret scrimmage. So, I mean, if that's not and an du- ex- and, and Dwayne Washington had like one of the worst days Chris Holtman's ever seen of any basketball player he's ever coached. That's apparently. scary good. <laughs> That's scary good for Ohio State's purposes. But no, I 
just looking up and down the list, and I mean, you can even just go right down the AP Top 25 list right now and look at it and say, is there a team that could be at some point, without a doubt, the best team in the country? Like you could say right now, there's no debating that's number one. You think you're going to get to that point at this some sometime this season? I really, not to sound like a homer, I really think it could be us. I think it could be Ohio State. I think it can like be that, either that Ohio complete State, complete team, or I could think it could be Kansas. If Kansas puts it all together, I yes, think they could be. Yes, Kansas too. But thinking outside the, bo- I, th- I thought you were going with like an outside the box. Like don't don't pick one of those teams that's there, one of those four or five teams that's been living in the top in the top ten. For the last five years of college hoops, but it's it's very interesting. You so, gotta trust the talent, yeah. though. The talents, there. Mm-hmm. you do. I love the holiday tournaments. You got a lot. It, it it was great. We'll have more in just a second. It's a lot of high profile teams losing at home recently. You know, we just talked about the UNC versus Ohio State game, but what in the world happened at Cameron Indoor, Tim? You know, they came against C- or Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin. Somewhere Thomas Walkup is smiling down. Not like he's in heaven or anything like that. He's from playing pro ball somewhere. If you got that reference, you really know college hoops and you pay attention during March Madness. It's one of the few upsets I got early on. I don't know what happened. I really don't because watching Duke dismantle Michigan State, that's just the... That's just the life when you got a young team all the time, right? You can lose any game. You can win any game. It's crazy to see that team lose to a Stephen F. Austin at Cameron Indoor and then dismantle Michigan State at the Breslin Center. Almost the same tw- team. Almost 20 years since they've lost to a, a non-conference team at home. You know who it was? St. John's. The Johnnies. Don't you love how they play that game like late in February in that the middle of the schedule? Cool. Then they moved it off to uh, Madison's, Madison Square Garden. They might, still, they might still play. I think that's kind of what they do for the St. John's home game. Yeah, well, that I think sense. that's kind of what that is. Yeah. Even though that's, that's also a place right. where Duke is like a home away from home. They always play their bigger games there. That's but right. I, I, I wasn't able to tune into this one until the world was telling you that it's close. Second half, you, you keep watching that score. You're like, oh, they're going to pull away. They're going to pull away. Mm-hmm. Stephen F. Austin has it close. And when I finally, I was texting with you wondering how I could watch that. I think you were covering a Blue Jackets game that night. And I couldn't figure it out. Like, they actually, they told me. I don't know who was doing the coverage on ESPN that night. But they told me that I don't get that game. I'm like, how the heck do you know if I got that game or not? (laughs) Because clearly, when I actually tried, I could have gotten that game. But it was just getting the Roku stick set up. You know how if you haven't accessed your Watch ESPN app in a while, (laughs) it kicks you out. And you have to go back and put all your like TV subscriber information in there. So I was going through that situation. And I finally got it activated. It was on like the ACC Digital Network Extra package, which is ridiculous because any Duke basketball game should be available for you. And I saw the guy, Nathan Bain is his name. He's a bohemian, and he was emotional. Tears were streaming down his face. He was he had the headset on, was talking to the broadcasters, and I, I just felt so good for him. I just felt so good for him and what College Hoops is all about. And the play that he made, I mean, that was a that was a serious layup that he made to win that game with the pressure of the clock winding down and with dudes that are, you know, six foot seven, six foot nine or bigger, just bearing down on you, trying to get the chase down block and pin it on the glass. He almost had to like get up extra high, had his hand at almost rim level 
and he almost put downward a downward angle on it to throw the layup in and beat the clock. It was beautiful. Didn't that play remind you of like the scenario when you're on the playground as a kid and you got the ball and you're like, all right, five seconds left, you got to get down the court and get the ball into the basket before, before time runs out. That's almost what it looked like when the ball kind of came out of the scrum, the guy on the floor found it and just go pass yeah. it out. But what was Matthew Hurt doing on that play? I don't. He went to like go for the steal and just completely whiffed, and I just gave him the free run. Maybe it was Jack White, but it gave Bain the free run down the court. It like you kind of two guys sort of whiffed and went at it, thinking I guess the other guy would maybe get back enough. And then watching him run down the court, it almost felt like you were watching it in slow motion yeah. as he's going. It was such an amazing sight to see. That's so nerve wracking when you are the guy that has a chance to knock off Duke, the number one team, the number one team at Cameron Indoor, and have a a memory for a lifetime. Like that's a we've seen a lot of missed layups. I mean, we've seen a lot of missed layups. And that's an easy one to choke on the chicken bone. But everything going on with him, how his family, his father apparently, you know, lost his church, going through a tough time with the, the storms that had, you know, ripped through the, the Bahamas. And to see his GoFundMe page that Stephen F. Austin put together, that was 100% going back to his family to help them rebuild. To see the influx of cash at that GoFundMe page, yeah, ballooned God. by like 30000 or something like I that. I put a couple of bucks in there. I'm like, hey, dude, that, you know, the hard work that you've been putting in, you just came up with a big college basketball win at Duke, spread a lot of joy to fans everywhere. That's worthy of a couple of bucks to help out a family in need. Heck yeah. Like, I, I love, I love how that happened. You could say, yeah, there's a lot more people in the world that need help too, but you know what? No, it's still a cool I'm story, I'm a college man. basketball fan. That resonated with me. Absolutely. And it did with a lot of people. That was cool. So Nathan Bain, the Bohemian, congrats. That's awesome. couple more things. Mad About Hoops, episode five, week five of the college basketball season. Recording here on a Thursday, December 5th. Purdue beat Virginia. Ohio State knocked off North Carolina. They're undefeated. They look like one of the best teams in the country. Got a lot of good action coming up this weekend. Conference play begins. You got some Big Ten, some ACC action. UNC and Virginia is one to watch. Both teams reeling right now. I I wouldn't say Virginia's reeling, but that has to shake you a little bit when you get pummeled like that. Just losing at Mackey, that's okay. Losing by 29, that's a thing. And now UNC with Baycott out. That's a big game for both. I think North Carolina is in a tougher spot, man. Scoring only 49 uh, points totally, on your home totally. court. Of course. And now you got to go and play the best defense in the country, that pack line defense. Now, it kind of plays into how North Carolina wants to play. Is they're going to give up the deep shot. Can North Carolina take it and make it? That's going to be the difference between the game. Can and they take it and make it? That's at the JPJ. That's in Charlottesville. Yeah. Oh, Great place, by the way. I've been in the <laughs> building, sure, sure. haven't seen a ball game there, and I need to. Put it's it on a, the list. It's a cool spot. I want to say it's a little smaller than the shot or a place like that. Maybe seats like 15, 16, but they built it like they did at Ohio State for concerts. Dave Matthews Band. Uh, what do you think that place is like when he goes into town, being from Seaville? Well, I'm sure you're going. One of my favorites. Little baby. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and you got Dayton. Oh, sorry. I don't want to steal your thunder. That, that's still to come. That's still to come, so I don't steal your thunder. Cincinnati there's, there's and Xavier. Yeah. Cincinnati and Xavier. Get to that one, CB. I would love to see this game in person because this is, I mean, you want to talk about some real hate between these two fan bases? Pure. It is there, man. I mean, we've seen brawls over the years in this game. Uh, I personally believe, and now 
by the time you hear this podcast, I might sound like a fool, but I think Xavier handles this game. I, I just don't see where the points are coming from outside of the Cumberlands for Cincinnati. Yeah, what what is gonna what's gonna change with the Bearcats? Competition. They're always gonna be okay in the American. Competition That's and recruiting. You know, Brennan's gotta recruit to his style, which I don't think they're built to run the way he wants to play right now which is fine. I mean, that's why he went out and hit the transfer portal as hard as he did. I think it's a little overblown, too, like that he's changing the style that much. Like We've got a eight-game sample. They are 6-2. and two. They beat Vermont. Vermont's a really good basketball team. I know they're at home, but they beat Vermont. You had one inexcusable loss. There are a lot of teams in college basketball this year that have had worse losses, hey, more inexcusable losses. That was in a tournament. BG got you. But going so back to what? that game, I mean, BG, watch out for them because they could be a team in the MAC could be. that could make a run. So Kent State, I, yeah. BG, we like. I yeah. another game. I can't believe you haven't brought this up yet. But your Kansas Jayhawks, they're <laughs> playing Colorado. What a game! I didn't yeah, even Colorado's notice that. Colorado's okay. They're okay. They're Top ranked 20 team. team. Top twenty team. They're ranked. I'm not looking at. I'm not looking at that one as much as I'm looking at say a Seton Hall this weekend. Seton Hall is going to be fun. Yeah, I like that a lot. Seton Hall is, why is my scoreboard just skipping out on me now? No more top 25 for my scoreboard here. No, Seton Hall, why am I blanking now? Seton Hall has a big game. Yes, thank you. Iowa Iowa State. State. Seton Hall on the road at the Hilton Coliseum. You got this Big East, Big 12 thing. You've got uh, Kansas, though, playing the Pac-12. That's a thing, right? Yeah, because because Baylor also That's like the ACC Big 10. Right, Baylor plays Arizona. On Saturday. Baylor and Arizona, so you're mm-hmm. starting to see some of those. But Seton Hall just on the road at Hilton, which is also put on your bucket list. Hilton Magic, that's one that I did check out when I was a student at KU. One of the toughest places to play that nobody talks about. So that is a Tyrese Halliburton, by the way, put him on your list of players to watch. He's an older guy now, experienced at Iowa State. He's averaging 16 points, eight and a half assists, six rebounds, and three steals. And he's played in every single game so far. They really needed it, after, especially losing Mariel Shayok in the offseason to mm-hmm. graduation. It was big for them to get somebody to step up. And I would be remiss not to mention the Butler-Florida game, noon Saturday. I'm juiced Ooh, for this. Yes. Yep. I, you, I, what about the Zags in Washington? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, Zags in Washington. Wow, good for the Zags, man. On, su- on Sunday, yeah. The, your Butler-Florida game also... Attractive game to watch. Good for Gonzaga for beefing up that schedule, man, because it's just it's so hard playing in the the WCC and playing the teams they play year in and year out that they got to beef it up, and they did a great job this year. My theory on Gonzaga, and maybe other folks, I apologize if you've shared this theory too or had something similar, but it's on Mark Few and, and Brandon Beam, who I host the Buckeye Show with here in the fan. He asked me, do you think Mark Few's ever going to win a title? I'm like, ah, you know what? Smart Money says no. I'm sticking to my guns. I'm saying no. He's gotten there. He's had some good teams. But I don't think something that can't change for Gonzaga is you have to go in to the meat of the schedule and just play West Coast Conference teams for months, for months on end. And I think you just get in a rhythm of just beating up on teams. And then even in the first round or two in the NCAA tournament, it could be easy for you. And then you just hit a brick wall of competition and I just think it's tough for those guys to outlast, do you to think withstand they, it. Do you think they ever move conferences? Yes. And where do you think they yeah, would go? I do. Pac-12? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the best I do. call. If you no. say ever's a long time, at some point you're going to have to make that. Well, you know what? I don't. In the current format, that can't work because football, right? 
That doesn't work. Well, there's no football team. You cannot they, be in the Pac-12. They can't do a basketball only. Yeah, Notre Dame's doing a basketball only in the ACC. Yeah. Good point. No, I, Good I'm point. just curious. It could happen. That you'd, be, that, you'd be happy to have him as a basketball-only guy. Right. That team be right had, up at the top. That team they had a couple of years ago with North when they played North Carolina, I think that's probably the best they're ever going to be in terms of the talent they have just across the board. So, yeah, I probably if I was a betting man, I'd probably say no. All right, two more things. It's Mad About Hoops, Episode 5. We are just fanatics about this sport, fanatics about this game. So please give us a subscribe right there. We appreciate it. Every single place for the most part, as I, I think we're four, five, six different platforms right now for podcasts. So give us a review. Hopefully it's a good one. If it's not, maybe just keep it to yourself. But if it's constructive, if it's constructive criticism, we'd like to we'd like to hear that. So give us a subscribe. Uh, we, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. We're pretty new at this. We're having a good time. Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin with you. And we're going to get some more interviews here coming up down the road as we get more into this, as we get thicker into the season. A couple more things. We'll try to keep it. I know we're at about 40 minutes right now. We'll try to get out of here by uh, 45 minutes. I I wanted to give you a little, hey, have you noticed for this week? And I saw this story about how Michigan and Kentucky are going to play in a series. And it's it's a little bit different. Usually you'd say, all right, so what? So two schools are agreeing to play home and away, home and home, whatever you call it. But this one is a three-game series. It's a three-year thing. And it's not like a classic or anything they're jumping into. It's as simple as this. They're going to play three times. So Kentucky is going to travel to Michigan on December 4th, 2021. Michigan's going to travel to Kentucky December 3rd, 2022. But next year in December, it's going to start with the two teams playing each other at a neutral site. Pretty cool, right? Neutral, home, away. And you said that was in London, right? Yeah, and that's the kicker. The neutral site is in London, I think that has a little bit of everything. You get the home and away, which I think is cooler than just doing neutral sites, but you have something like that to sort of spread the love of the game, take it out to London. They love the NFL. They love the NBA. They'll love big-time college basketball like that too, or at least they should. No, I, I like the idea. I, I don't really care for the semantics behind it, other than just, you know, you're— no? I, I don't care for it. Like, it's cool, and I'm sure that the teams are going to appreciate it. I'm just, if I'm in either of those programs, I'm just happy that I get three straight years where I'm getting a perennial powerhouse that I'm playing against, if I'm, at least, I've, I'm in Michigan's shoes, at least. But I'm just glad they got the games, because you're not really seeing it. I mean, you see it more in college basketball versus the football, but getting the home and home games is really important for a lot of these programs. I, I, I and like they, it. And they get them. Yes, I like seeing it. I I like seeing that they're going to have a three-game series. I don't really care that they're going to London. It'll be a Man, cool. The whole the cool. whole point of this was supposed to be that everyone would like it. I thought I really had something here. Like we've seen, we've seen like the the CBS Sports Classics where you sort of do a barnstorming thing where you play in different cities in the states and you switch around with you know four. You have a round robin with Kentucky, Carolina. Ohio State and UCLA, so four big-time programs that play each other. They switch it up every year. You've you've seen the one where, I don't know if it ever got executed, but it was supposed to be like where the teams travel together and you would play like over over a week or a five-day period where you'd play one in New York City, one in Chicago, one in L.A. I think it was Mark Hollis's idea. I don't know if it ever got executed. I don't know. I've never heard of that. That's more like the barnstorming thing that I'm talking about. That seems cool where you kind of, you got four teams 
you get three games out of it and you travel to different cities and it's almost like a little mini tournament. Instead of doing a holiday tournament, you take up a five day span on your calendar, you know, share some planes with each other, whatever. That that sounds neat. But I like I like this. It's London, man. If you're a fan of Michigan or the Big Blue, you get to take a trip to London, see your guys, fish and chips, Big Ben, Ferris wheel. Hey, I would rather do that than I mean the CBS Classic is in what, Vegas this year, and you have only one of the four teams is a West Coast team. I just don't know how good the environment's going to be out there in Vegas. It just kind of feels rough to send three teams across the country like that, and the one local team, UCLA, quite honestly, is not very good. They lost at home to Hofstra. Man, this is sort of like the opposite of Butler for you, of something you <laughs> love very much. No, this this just, idea, this series, not that thing for oh, Evil if, Bald College. If I was playing for one of those two teams, I'd love to go to London. Recruiting tool. Absolutely. Recruiting tool. You get to play Kentucky or play Michigan, and you get a trip to, to London thrown in that. I think it's a good idea. I mean, hey, just take the word from the football team. They like to take foreign trips. <laughs> they, they do. Only Michigan. It's a basketball school, so You're it's right. more about what Michigan Hoops is doing. Absolutely. Last thing, Mad About Hoops, episode five. Uh, by the way, we're on Twitter, so follow us there at Mad About Hoops, Timmy Hall and Evil Bald Colin. Last thing, buddy, it's the mid-major flavor. Little thing about one of the mid-majors out there in this great land. Who are you going to talk about this week? Well, I hate to be a, a repeat offender on this one, but I mean, two teams I've already talked about, St. Mary's and Dayton, they're playing each other. This is going to be great. So you're going to sit on the couch at Sunday at around noon. You're going to watch the college football playoff r- rankings release. Sure, Then sure. you might, if you're a big college football fan, you might watch the bowl rankings release if maybe your team's not in the mix for the CFP. Then around 3 o'clock, 4, you're going to be like, what else is there to do? ESPNU, you're going to have this game on between Dayton and St. Mary's. You were talking about before we came on, Jordan Ford for St. Mary's is a great guard. Oh, my God. He would, is a gunslinger. Would love he to was watch great it. in that Utah yeah. State game. And great him, game. Him against guys like Jalen Crutcher and Trey Landers for Dayton is going to be really fun to watch. And then on the other side, you're talking about Obi Toppin down low. Is there anybody for St. Mary's that you think could you know, match up with Toppin? I don't really know for no, sure right now. No. I don't think Come so. Come on. Jordan Ford will just have to go nuts. He'll have to go nuts. <laughs> right. A good team, though. They've got some guys down low, but nobody like Obi Toppin right now. He's one of the premier players in America. Why? While we were talking about locations of games, why would we play this at a neutral site? That is the exact type of thing when it's two mid-majors like that. Do a home and away. Play at St. Mary's. Play in Dayton at UD Arena. So last year, I believe they played this at Dayton, but I could be wrong. I know they did play last season. I think they played at UD Arena. So at the same... I feel bad for Randy Bennett then. Before we go, I'll give you the answer to that. St. Dayton, St. Mary's last year. If memory serves me right, they played early in the season last year. Click on their click on their schedule from 2018-2019. I vaguely remember a St. Mary's game too. Because my buddy kept on talking about it. I think they lost that game. Dayton did. I'm not seeing St. Mary's really? last year. Might have been a gap. Might have been, been a gap. It could have been. Might have been the year before. I do. I see it. It was December 19th, 2017. Ah. At St. Mary's, it says, Dayton lost 69-54. There so you go. I wonder, did they schedule this at the same time? or Maybe these... they did. Yeah, yeah, that's maybe they did. odd. Maybe there was a game in Dayton the year before that I can't remember at this point, and that was a home and home and a neutral. Mm. <laughs> maybe it's just like the story we're talking that, about. That would be funny. That would be ironic. <laughs> right. All right. Evil Bald Colin, I enjoyed it, man. It was awesome, man. I cannot wait to see. We're getting Big Ten play started here soon, conference play, everything. You still have the CBS Sports Classic with Kentucky down the road. 
a lot of great basketball to play before the start the start of the new year. Hey, everybody, it's still December. Who cares? Keep watching college basketball. Keep loving college basketball. There's going to be so much to talk about next week. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Mad About Hoops.